Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of the Dads on the Rocks podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Uh, today's guest is one of the absolute best people that I know, a man who I really do admire immensely as a father, somebody who I saw being a dad, and I said, that's the kind of dad that I want to be. Uh, my guest today, Lord Terrell Smith. Terrell, say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. It is absolutely my pleasure, I assure you. As always, Terrell, uh, we begin with a toast. Uh, my Lord, what are you drinking today? <laughs> oh, well, of course, the Lord always drinks to his son, Jameson. And therefore, I'm drinking Jameson on the rocks. Very, very nice. I, I actually <laughs> almost bought Jameson specifically for tonight, but I couldn't make it to the store. <laughs> no worries. I always have a bottle in the house somewhere. <laughs> uh, myself today, I am drinking. Um, I'm going a little different. Normally, I'm a bourbon guy, but I've been dabbling in vodka lately, and I'm having what I call is a lazy, dirty martini. It's Ooh. just it's vodka and olive juice. I, I'm and it's lazy because I'm too lazy to put it in the driver. Move. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. A lazy, dirty martini. But it, it's it's pretty good. And, and it's nice to branch out from from the norm. So to you, my Lord, cheers to you, sir. To you, sir. Now, our guests are probably one. Or sorry, our listeners are probably wondering why the hell am I calling you Lord? <laughs> so I would like you to explain to everybody what uh what happened there and why i'm referring to you in that way okay thank you very much well as a lord um it just so happened that on my 41st birthday my wife gifted me with the ability to be a lord she purchased um, some land in england and she had a oil painting done so i have gotten certified and officially i'm a certified lord of england that's amazing what Props to your lovely, fantastic wife, Jessica. When I saw that, I was so damn jealous because that was the <laughs> coolest thing I had seen in a long time. <laughs> it was amazing. Is that the requirement of being a lord is, is owning land in England? Yes. So from, from, what, from what my wife tells me, so you have to own a certain amount of land in England to be considered a lord. And she purchased some land in England. Therefore, I have a one by one foot square piece of land somewhere out there in England, um, which allows me to have certification for that. I can have my passport, driver's license, say that I'm a lord. I, I hope you do, because that would be the first thing I would change everything to signify that I'm a lord. <laughs> and Stephanie, if you're listening to this, I don't think you listen to the show, but if you do, I want my plot right next to Terrell's <laughs> so we can stand on each of our plots and hug. Yes, I love it. One step in, one step out. <laughs> A uh, couple of announcements today is September 1st. If you're listening to this on the day that it's released, I'm doing things a little bit differently. Uh, in the past, I've done the September beer challenge, a thing that I started and created. I think this is the seventh year that I've done it, but I'm now going to be doing it solely on the Instagram of the Dads on the Rocks Instagram page. Check in every day for what I'm drinking every day. Basically, if you don't know, I drink a different beer that I've never had before, which if you know me is very difficult, um, every day of the month for September. Um, and little preview, I'm going to be trying something for October, which is called Sober October, where I drink nothing for the entire month of October. I like my alcohol, so that's going to be really tough for me. But after uh, September beer challenge, I think it's going to be welcome. If you're interested in a shirt, which I do have now, they're $15 with uh, now with the tagline on the back. And if you haven't seen before, the tagline is a podcast for surviving parenthood served with a twist, which, which I'm very, very pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested, get with me and, and um, I'll get you taken care of. Um, I did explore the idea of selling koozies, but for now it doesn't really make sense. So the only way that you can get one is by being a guest on the show. So Terrell, you are going to get your very own Dads on the Rocks koozie. Uh, they'll, they'll be in shortly. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to send them out to my guests that have previously been on the show. So if you're being, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, let me know and we'll have you on. Cheers, sir. Thank you. Cheers to you, sir. So I want to get right into the show for tonight's topic. What I, I actually picked the, the topic for tonight. Uh, because one of the things that I really do love about you, Terrell, is 
all the different things that I see you doing with your kids, the fun experiences and places that you guys take the kids. Um, if you don't know, uh, actually, Terrell, I'll let you take this um, of how many kids you have and how long you've been married and all that stuff. Go, go, go for it. Okay. Um, I have, I have two kids, uh, the father of Geneva, who's seven and Jameson, who's five. And uh, I've been married to my lovely wife now for nine years. And it's just been a great experience. It's been a blessing. I really can't complain about it. That is like this, the tiniest little bit of information to give people. But <laughs> the father that I see, I, I really, really do mean it. When I saw you being a dad, because you became a dad before I did, mm-hmm. the things that I saw you doing with your kids and even today, uh, the experiences that you share with them, the places that you guys take them, it made me want to be a dad as m- even more so than, than before. It, it just, I saw the, the love and connection that you had with your kids and it was really something to be admired. So you were, uh, honestly, you were a very big inspiration for me as far as parenting goes. So, um, so thank you. To, n- honestly, thank you that you, you, you did, you did do a lot for, uh, for my sense of wanting to procreate so to, to you my lord cheers oh to you and your offspring thank you sir but like i said you, I, I saw you doing a lot of really uh you and, and jessica doing a lot of amazing things amazing experiences of taking the kids places and having them experience things they're a little bit older than my kids so i think they can remember it and appreciate it a little bit more which i'm very much so looking forward to when my kids are are older how how do you find the time after work and taking care of the house and things like that. And, and just the energy. Cause I feel like maybe it's, it's different because I, I have two very small ones and it's, it's a little bit harder now. And once they're older, I feel like I may get more, more energy and more pep, but how do you find the energy to, to do these things and have these experiences with the kids? Oh, lots of coffee, lots and lots of coffee. Um, kids are great. Um, but they expect a lot from you and I expect a lot from them. Like they're my entertainment. They're my fun. They're my heart. I love them so much. So when I come home, I kind of pregame it. My wife, Jessica, who's my rock. She, uh, without her, I couldn't do anything. Um, because I have her supporting me, guiding me through everything. Like she fills in the blanks. So usually when I come home, she has like a coffee ready for me so that I can muster up that energy to move forward. And so, yeah, she, she's pretty much the reason how I have the energy and the focus to be with them more. So once I get off from work, cause usually half the times I'm dead tired. Yeah. Are you on, are you on midnights or are you working days? I'm days now, but I'm, you know, five days a week and mm-hmm. uh, then you're on call. So there, um, it's much better for me now because beforehand, a lot of times I was working night shifts and doing those 12 hour days and sometimes doing, I was doing like, 60 hours a week sometimes. Ouch. So just finding that energy, but looking into their faces and them wanting to play with you and them wanting to rough house and beat you up. <laughs> it just gives you that energy. You're just like, okay, here we go. I'll, I'll find. So, yeah. Something that I'm, I'm dealing with now. Um, my son is full on crawling now. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I find <laughs> it difficult to, Number one, watch him, make sure that he's not putting anything in his mouth and choking while also being there with my daughter. And she is now at the age she's uh, approaching four, and she says, Daddy, do you want to play with me? And I've just put the dishes away. I made the coffee for tomorrow. I put a load of laundry in and I just I want to sit down for like three minutes. And she says, Daddy, do you want to play with me? And I absolutely want to. All I want to do is just sit there with her and enjoy and play and be there for her. But sometimes I'm just, I can't. And I, I try and, and say, I, I would love to baby, but can you move it over here to the couch? Cause daddy just needs to sit for a minute. I do want to play with you. And that's not what she wants to hear. She wants me to get up and play hide and seek or whatever. So I, <laughs> I find it hard to stretch myself so thin when they demand so much of you and you have only so much to give. Yeah. That, that, that part's tough. I mean, it's, it's a constant challenge and um, there's really no way, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, you just have to work with what you've got and the kids, they're going to keep asking 
so much of you. And the, the good thing for me was that when we had Jameson, he was born two years after Geneva. Geneva was very close to her mom, but she was a little bit closer to me to begin with. So then when Jameson kind of came into the picture, everyone kind of, you know, flocked towards a newborn baby. And for me, it was that opportunity for me and Geneva to bond even more so. Right. Because everyone was flocking to Jameson. You know, he's a new baby. Everyone wants to get on top of him. But yeah, once he started crawling, it was more of a balance. And it was me and Jessica now doing man-on-man coverage. You know, it's we had to switch things up. You couldn't just, you know, leave him in the in his car seat and let him hang out there for a while. He's ready to start moving and playing and doing everything. So you just had to work together through it. I mean, it's a team sport. Yeah, exactly. I think it's very much so a team effort. My only issue is that when you're there by yourself, like uh, Stephanie has the kids three days in a row by herself. And oh, she, she doesn't want to just sit in the house and she wants to take, take them places. And she gets frustrated when, it's very difficult. I'm not to mention just leaving the house to go to the car and then the car to go to wherever you're going. You sweat because it's incredibly hot outside mm-hmm. and then going somewhere to try and keep them entertained and do fun things. And also keeping the baby on his schedule. If he wants to sleep all night, it's, it's tough to do it all by yourself. And I, I have the kids two days uh, a week myself all day long. And it's, it's tough to do by yourself. And by the way, single parents out there, I, I have no idea how you do it, especially with more mm-hmm. than one. That's the truth. Which is why I have finished my first vodka, second vodka. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, I've seen you guys take them to different things. Um, the pumpkin patch museums and zoo. And it's, it's really, um, it's really inspiring that you guys find so much time to be with them. And I have been exhausted and and i've thought i can do this too like i i've i've thought that i see how much you guys have have done with your kids and i think maybe i should try new new experiences for them andrew's not going to remember any of this he's too young but ali this is this is when i i start uh my memories start is like right around three four years old is when i have my first memories so Mm -hmm. i want to make them good for her with this whole thing i mean jessica is my everything man she uh, she plans so much and uh, she has a lot of things lined up for us. And I just I just know that these are those moments because I remember when my dad, something I can never forget. My dad used to take us to like the air shows all the time. Mm-hmm. They used to be up in Opalaka Airport. And for the longest time, we would always go in the day before the Blue Angels came into the airport and we would sit there. We would watch the helicopters, and the jets and everything go by. And then the next day he would take us back out there onto the actual airport. We get to sit in the jets, meet the pilots and everything like that. That's awesome. And I know it was great. And I know that I would, I was enjoying everything in those memories. I will never forget, but I know my dad now as an adult, my dad had to get off of work, pick us up and then rush over to the airport at like six in the afternoon mm. after he'd been at work all day. And I know he was dead tired, but then he hung out there with us and he just found the energy to do it. And for me, it's like, these memories are what's going to be the most important to them. I know it may be just take a little bit more time away from myself, but um, I know that they're, they're going to appreciate it as they get older. And for me, I always sit there, I think back of the things that I did with my dad. Those things stand out so much to me. Like I can tell you any type of jet there is just because my dad used to ever always take us to the air show. So from the F-14 Tomcat to the F-16 Eagle, it's because of him and his love. And that just what I want my kids to have. Hopefully it happens in the Marvel universe. I can't make any promises. Marvel or Star Wars. I hope this is what happens, but I, I, I don't know. Right now, my son's really, Jameson's really into Venom. And I'm so happy. So happy. Oh, he, he has no idea. I had like every symbiote bought in my in my man cave for him to give to him so as he's going through school now he keeps getting these little gifts slowly but surely so yeah i'm i love it i love it right now does he specifically like venom or is he like also into spider-man too so spider-man is backseat it's Mm. venom he so the weird thing is he went through this weird phase where he was into bendy i don't know if you know what bendy is He's no. the eight demon. So Bendy's based off of like Mickey Mouse um, gone bad. 
and like what happens when Mickey Mouse was left alone for long periods of time and he became bad. And so the ink machine took over and he's like this weird character. So a lot of the ink demons look like Venom. Huh. And Wait, is, this so, from the, is this from the video game Epic Mickey? No, it's not Epic Mickey. It's okay. um, it's, it's the character specifically Bendy and the ink machine. That sounds like I want to watch it. <laughs> it is. It's pretty interesting. It's it's a little it's a little scary at times because I'm like, I was like, is my son taking the wrong track? Is he going demonic and stuff like that? But he's not. He's okay. Um, but yeah, he uh, he went in that, that path. And so, of course, you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan, Star Wars, everything. And of all the characters, he started to flock to Venom and then eventually just took off. He loves Venom and all the symbiotes. Wow. Have mm-hmm. you showed him the, I wouldn't say it's classic, but to me it's classic, the like mid nineties uh, Spider-Man show. Um, Cause I'm currently like rewatching the classic Spider-Man show. Cause like the, the Tom Holland Spider-Mans and the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, they're not on Disney plus. So I'm getting my Spider-Man fix anywhere I can. So I'm rewatching <laughs> the uh, like mid nineties uh, Spider-Man show that I grew up with. And it still holds up to be honest. And there was like a, uh, I think a two part um, Venom in uh, like season one, like they, they introduced like, I don't know, like nine villains in the first season. It was amazing. I remember it well. It was so good. So good. Um, but no, he's not, he's not really, he's not there yet. It's his love isn't for Spider-Man so much. It's more so just for Venom. And I'm going to foster that little plant until it <laughs> blossoms into Marvel. Everything. <laughs> Oh my! And you know what? I, I kind of like that he's into a villain first, because that mm-hmm. will kind of make him appreciate the the conflict between uh, hero and villain. Like every villain, they they think that they're the hero. They, they actually any good uh, hero yes. villain conflict, it's the villain thinks that they're in the right, like exactly like Thanos. Like he yes, and and the way that they did it right, especially with Thanos, was you also like sympathize with him because it's not a bad idea. You can see where he's coming from. And Mm -hmm. I kind of dig that with, um, with uh, Eddie Brock venom too, because he's been slighted in so many different ways, especially by Peter Parker in a couple different ways. And he's down on his luck and he's finally gets this opportunity to do something to be stronger and to be better. Why not take it? You know, I I like that. Yes, I love it. I love it. And of course, Thanos is my favorite villain of all time. His connection to me is so important. Uh, Geneva, my daughter, is like that, that father-daughter relationship. So Thanos' relationship and love with, with his, uh, Gamora is like, mm. it's, my, it's my kid. So when he does everything for her, it just it melts my heart. So for me, I have that connection to Thanos. It's just like, it's so there and, and it it always brings me back to my daughter when I think about his love for his daughter and sacrifice that he was willing to do for her. And unfortunately he ends up killing her. I could never do that, but <laughs> that, that broke me so hard when I watched um, Endgame for the first mm-hmm. time and no infinity war. Sorry. When infinity I went and when I watched infinity war and, and I could see it as, even though it was CGI and I, and I could tell it was, they were mimicking Josh Brolin's um, like facial characteristics in, in that scene. But mm-hmm. it broke me so hard because I saw how much pain he was going through and the sacrifice of the greater good it took. And I even um, I watched um, Guardians, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, and mm-hmm. Thanos is in it briefly. And he refers to Gamora as his favorite daughter right there in front of Nebula, which was kind of yeah. messed up. But like is. even back then, like <laughs> you it planted the seed for that. And it was. It, it just it broke my heart because I'm like, I, I don't have anything strong enough and any conviction strong enough to like throw Allie off of a cliff. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be there's nothing in this world. I couldn't think of anything that would ever make me cross the line. He's he's a, a, a mad titan because there is no way I could ever do that. It's just too much, too much love. There's too much love. I cry at every movie that has a father daughter conflict. I, you know, a movie really made me cry, like ugly cry Coco. Oh man. Yes. At the, when you realize it's his, it's his daughter. I just, it was just, <laughs> just tears, tears so bad. I couldn't even hide it. People were, I could hear all the sniffling inside the movie theater. 
I know there were plenty of dads in there. Oh, for sure. Oh, it was it was rough. It was rough. But I think Stephanie was like eight months pregnant when we went to go see that in the theater. Um, Mm -hmm. I was flanked by Stephanie, who's super pregnant. And then on the other side is um, or or next to her was her sister. And I think her mom might have been on the other side. And then next to me also was our friend Amy uh, Mm -hmm. and then John, I believe. And just the entire row needed Gatorade because we were so dehydrated <laughs> from like all of us were just, it, it was just waterworks at, at that very last scene with the remember me. It was oh, yeah. brutal. It was, oh but, man, but it was so good. Go watch Coco everybody. If you haven't already, Coco is fantastic. It's yes. bring, bring tissues and, and go hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's kind of where I want to stop with the parenting topic, because uh, as as much as I like to talk about kids, um, another of my absolute favorite things about you, Terrell, is what I want to talk about for non-parenting topics, uh, which is something that we do for ourselves when we're not being parents. And what I had in mind for you is playing Dungeons and Dragons. And before anybody else that's listening has any kind of like oh i don't want to listen to to that it's dungeons and dragons like it's for nerds no (laughs) fuck you (laughs) number one um dungeons and dragons was i i had the same idea uh a few years ago um pre-kids uh my best friend chris jimenez uh he said let's let's play dungeons and dragons and i said that's a game for nerds like in their basement like why would i ever want to play that and he said trust me you'll enjoy it and I, I kid you not, it was some of the most fun I have ever had. And I'm going to let Terrell take it from here because uh, he, Terrell has been playing for a long time. Um, Terrell, please let, let everybody know why it's the stigma is, uh, is just silly. Oh, people, you don't know what you're missing. Dungeons and Dragons is it's an escape. So like a lot of people, they'll go out to the world and they'll watch sports or they get themselves locked up in a specific show or a movie or, you know, you have your 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 type of outlet that you can get on. For Dungeons and Dragons, it is an immersive outlet. It's the same thing like doing a video game. But the benefit of it is you bring your friends along for this journey. And these are your pals. These are your guys who you normally hang with or girls. And... You immerse yourselves inside this world and you allow your characters to go wherever the world may take you. And it's an intellectual battle. It's quick witted conversations. Uh, The DM's got to come up with things on the fly. It's, It's just such a world building experience. And it's something that every person doesn't realize that movie directors and writers, it's what they do. They build these worlds. Um, the Marvel MCU, uh, MCU universe is a world building experience mm-hmm. and same thing like what um, was it? Um, not James Gunn, but James Gunn, even when they build these worlds and they take something out of nothing and create this envisionment, it's, it's just so near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, my very first character at D&D when I started with my friends was this character named Celeste. And Celeste was a transgender character. Mm-hmm. It's a very risque character to go with, but <laughs> it was an interesting way to go. And um, I went full in and, you know, you like to make the voices and create the character and create the ambiance. And every time I played the character, I made sure that my character held this specific type of role that she covered her face with her veil all the time. Mm-hmm. And you bring that persona across and you get your friends laughing and they say things to make you laugh. And you, you just start having these good banters where you're going back and forth. It's such a good time. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, basically Dungeons and Dragons, um, you need a DM, which is a dungeon master. They're the one that controls the game. Uh, so they have uh, the their player's handbook, their monster manual, things like that uh, to begin with at least. And uh, everybody else, they make their own character. So uh, like Terrell's first character was Celeste. You you can play different classes and uh, races. You can be like dragonborn or human. 
uh, druid, elf, different things. You can build the character how you want it within reason. And your your stats of like your attack damage, your defense damage, things like that, you roll for it. You you roll, there's like six different dice. Yeah, uh, D20, you have a D10, a D8, D4, and a D6. Okay, so you you have the dice that you roll for to get your, your stats and everything. And that bases... Um, what your character can do as far as in a fight or or, or what have you um, your charisma for example so you're in an uh, a fairy tale ish village full of warlocks and fairies and goblins and things like that you're in a village the floor is made of dirt uh, the huts are made out of clay I don't know I'm doing this on the fly I don't know I'm not a DM so I'm not very good at this but uh, you and your merry band of bastards are rolling through, <laughs> or walking through the city, and uh, somebody runs up to you and, and says, "Oh, you guys look like great fighters. I have been missing my daughter. She's she was uh, abducted three weeks ago, and I haven't seen her since. Ever since this big fog enveloped our city." And you say, "Well, this is this is strange. I don't I don't really know why I would want to help you, but you, your character that you built." you are a knight and you say for the greater good i would like to help this woman and save this girl's daughter say somebody else in the party is chaotic neutral and you're like i, I don't care whatever and this girl's where's where's the nearest in or something yes. <laughs> um but it's it's all about the adventure and the choices that you make and how much fun you can have with it and i do have a story from our very first my very first time playing Dungeons and Dragons that I don't think I will ever forget. A, a group of us, we were in a cave. We were looking for something. We had already killed like the, the big goblin headmaster. And then we were going through the rest of the cave. Uh, and we encountered a bunch of goblins that were sitting uh, around a fire. And we kept, for some reason, we kept the head of the goblin master or whatever for that dungeon. So we took it out. We covered it in oil. And one of my friends who is uh, a, uh, a warlock, he levitated it over the, the fire pit for where they were cooking their dinner. And somebody else enchanted it to speak to the goblins saying, oh, I am your goblin master. You need to leave the cave so that we didn't have to fight them. And somebody rolled a one on a D20. And instead, the head just fell to the floor into the fire and it exploded and it, <laughs> the goblins did take damage but they were also now attacking us <laughs> see that's the beauty of a good D D game you can have this great plan worked out and then all of a sudden someone rolls a one which is a critical failure and your entire plan just crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have an entirely great plan. If you don't know a D 20 is a, a die, like, like in um, normal uh, poker game or not poker, but like uh, dice games or whatever, it's um, one, two, three, four, five, six, a D 20 goes all the way from one to 20. And that will determine what, uh, how good you do one being the absolute worst. Like if you try to jump over a river and you roll a one, you just burst into flames. And a D20 <laughs> is that you jump over the river, do a handstand, and then you get the girl for, I don't know, whatever. It's, that's the best <laughs> possible outcome. So, Terrell, what is your absolute favorite memory of playing D&D? Or, or not, not necessarily your favorite, but one that really stands out to you that made you realize, I love this game. Um, I had a character named Grub. He was a goblin. And my sole purpose in that game was to be the most annoying character to my friends as possible. <laughs> so as this character and my wife's listening to this, she knows how bad these things get. Um, so as this character, my goal was to annoy people. So uh, we were in a dungeon style setting. So every so often the DM had to explain something to us. It's like, so such and such and such, we go to a keep and at the keep, you know, so my character, anytime he said keep, I would repeat keep. And so eventually every time I would, he would say, oh, such and such, we're at the keep, keep. And 
And so eventually it became a running joke. So like now my friends, they all will sit anytime someone says keep, they go keep. And so it just keeps repeating itself over and over and over. It was just like such a fun little stupid thing to do, but it makes me remember grub always and forever. How, how long have you been playing D and D to begin with? And then with this same group of, of guys, because I know that you not one running game, but you guys have had several running games with this one specific group, I, I believe. Yes. Um, so these, these are the friends who actually got me into D and D. Um, I want to say it's been about maybe 15 years now. Wow. We've been friends for a while. Um, what is it? 90, yeah. About 15 years. We've been every Tuesday we get together, have a good time, nerd it out a bit. And, uh, it's been fun. I mean, we switch the games up. We do different type of dungeon games. We right currently right now we're doing a transformers game. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, uh, it's always a constant, uh, rotation of things that we're doing. Different people take over as DM, uh, different stories come up. We just had, uh, prior to this, we had a group that was set in like Greece. Um, my oh, wow. character was, so, I mean, like he's and my, uh, Joe, who is excellent, excellent DM. Um, he is good at making voices and he's got these great history things that he does. He searches so much research that he actually does gets the actual gods and implements these stories into everything. So it's really, really such an immersive story. Like I had a character, Althor, um, which is kind of based off of the Wheel of Time character, Rand Althor. But as I played the character, he eventually came more like the character Thor from the MCU universe. Right. So like he ended up having fighting with the hammer. He was a cleric and eventually he controlled lightning. So it was just like this weird, type of thing but yeah there it's it's such it's such a fun experience one of my favorite uh characters that unfortunately it was right around the time that i stopped i didn't i didn't get to do the character as much as i wanted to because i thought it was a great idea i think his name was silverskin and because i'm terrible with coming up names coming coming up <laughs> with names but he i couldn't i i didn't flesh it out entirely but he had a mysterious background but he was very skilled in wild magic, mm-hmm. but he could not control it. So every time I would roll and roll wild magic, I could uh, shapeshift into anything from a tiger to a dragon to a stool or, <laughs> or uh, a mind flare or a fireplace. So there That's was, awesome. I remember, I remember fighting up a staircase and I turned into a kitty cat and <laughs> <laughs> I, I took so much damage and I was no help to anybody. Uh, but at the same time, I, um, I, um, the party got into, got into it with like three witches or something in, in a tavern. And I, uh, I used wild magic and it turned out to be, uh, I think it was like fireball or something like that. And I rolled so heavily that one of, one of the witches, there was three of them sitting at the table. One of them completely just burst into flames. Yes. This, the second one was so damaged from the first one bursting into flames that she crumbled to ash. And the third one started to try to run away. And I still had so much power left that I threw the rest of it into the hearth and that exploded half of the building away <laughs> and that disintegrated her. And they're like, well, I guess that interaction's over. <laughs> hey, see, it is tough being the dungeon master. I mean, you could have this whole plan worked out for your party members that you're hoping that they're going to take it. And unfortunately, sometimes they may just make a right turn instead of going straight into the dungeon. And now you got to come up with this whole new side quest yeah. that has nothing to do with what you plan for, for the entire day. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's very evolving. Uh, if you, especially one that you are homebrewing, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're homebrewing, as opposed mm-hmm. to something that is already laid out. And I know that everybody is saying like, this is very involved and it's, I don't know how to even start this. How easy is it in your opinion to, get started on the game to learn how the ins and outs and, and how to get started. It, it, it helps out to have a group or, or someone who can get you through that. It always helps to have a dungeon master, kind of someone who knows the game already 
because a lot of times there's rules and things that you want to do to say like, oh, I want to jump up on top of this building. Well, how tall is the building? Right. It's, it's 15 feet up. And so your dungeon master hopefully knows more about the game than you do. So usually it's like getting involved with a group that already has, has someone who knows the game and they kind of guide you through the process. Um, but as just a, a brand new person coming in, you'd have to get a dungeon, a D&D book. I can't remember what it's called right now. My the Player's Handbook. Thank you. My, <laughs> it just came to me as handbook. I looked onto my bookshelf <laughs> and I saw one. <laughs> Thank you. Your Player's Handbook. You have to have your Player's Handbook. Um, but that helps you to learn how to create your character, how to roll your character, um, your character sheet, um, enemies, items that you want to purchase, how much gold you get, your um, healing kit, all your information is inside your player's handbook. So it allows for you to kind of build your character and walk yourself through the game. And that'll help you also um, with creating your villains, your uh, NPCs. Non-playable characters. Yes. Um, So that'll help you guys create this entire village or world, city, um, boat, ship, Whatever you want, it gives you so much options, but they kind of have something worked out for every type of scenario that you can come up with and allows you to create that world inside your head. So so the player's handbook will kind of guide you to, especially if you're making your own, like as a DM, if you're making your own world, if you have an idea for a story or something like that, the player's handbook will guide you to how to do it correctly. But if if you at home listener are interested in playing D&D, basically what you need to find is somebody that already knows how to play D&D that can be your DM or somebody that's looking for extra players for their game or something like that. Because I'm sure everybody that I've ever met that has ever played D&D wants more people to play because it is so much fun. It's kind of like showing somebody a movie that is fantastic to them and they just want more people to watch it to enjoy it with them. And it's so much more immersive than that. It's even better than that. So true. I luckily had uh, my my best friend is my DM, um, was my DM. We haven't played in a long time. He moved away and I had kids and I I just can't play anymore. Unfortunately, I I loved D&D so much. I just did not have the time because right around the time that I started playing, Stephanie was pregnant. So the baby came and I tried to play while, while Allie was born. It was just very, very difficult and just time got away from me and I, I could not play as much as I wanted to, but I liked playing D and D more than I ever enjoyed playing video games because it was so much fun to order pizza, drink beers and have fun yes. with my friends Yeah, and do just the creative ridiculousness of friends. Um, my other, my other best friend, Matt, he, his very first character, he, all he wanted to do was collect goblin dicks and wear them in a chain around his neck. <laughs> and I thought that was just so ridiculous, but it was the funniest thing. And for like several weeks, we played every, I think it was like every Sunday, we made a thing of it uh, to watch game of Thrones. And when it was good game of Thrones, and then, um, or actually play D and D and then watch game of Thrones. And then we, it would either keep playing or, or go home. But um, <laughs> that was my, uh, that was the best time when, was, when I first learned and, and I saw how fun it could be just having fun with your friends and being creative in this mm-hmm. immersive world that you can do whatever you want to within reason of the DM. Yes. So it makes it great. That's what makes it so great. <laughs> As you said, a, a dick necklace for <laughs> goblins. That is, that is priceless right there. <laughs> I remember at at one time we were traveling along the road and we saw or we heard like some shuffling in the bush and it turned out to be a goblin. It was part of the story that the DM, I didn't know this until later, but the DM had orchestrated it to be uh, somebody to give you a side quest. And immediately my friend who was collecting the the (laughs) goblin dicks killed him and took his dick. And the DM was later on was like, well, I guess you guys won't find the treasure now, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How easily the tides can turn on you <laughs> in a game of D&D. Um, I know we had a chaotic evil game once that we did. An entire and game chaotic evil? So the entire group of us had to pick an evil character. You couldn't be a, like a good character. So the storyline, you know, you go off and 
you guys have to do basically evil things because I've been playing with these guys for like 15 years. So we've come up with all different types of games, good games where all your characters have to be good. You can do whatever you want. But this one was just like a game when you were completely evil. And so I remember being this character named Father Tommy. Of course, he was a pedophile. And because you have to have, <laughs> I saw that you coming have, a mile away. Exactly. You got to have, you have to have a backstory to go with these things. Um, so he was a pedophile and he, ha- he used to keep kids in the basement. He had a ward who would help him rape other kids. It was this oh, wow. whole horrible story, horrible story. But mind you, all the other characters had to be like this some type of chaotic evil character. Real, real quick, were you guys trying to one up each other as far as how evil, like trying to be more yes. evil than? Okay, that because yes. I'm like that's exactly what I would try and do. Exactly. So everyone was trying to be more evil than the other person. So we would always try to find the most craziest, insane, evil things that you can do. So I remember we were going in um, to this. Um, it's an orphanage, and we were trying to get this one particular kid because he had like a special power, and so. Our friend Steve had this ability to make all the kids do this dance and then they all dropped dead. And so he did that, killed every person inside the room. And then we all, you know, lied, of course, and said we weren't there. And then he got caught by the Inquisition Mm -hmm. and snitched on us. And then eventually my character got killed because my friend snitched on us but it was such a great game because we were all just trying to be more evil and more worse than the next person so it made everything just it just gets so ridiculous and so chaotic and the police were always after us and someone was always trying to kill us there was bounty hunters all over trying to take us down so it, it just made for such a fun game and i just love how D can be so so amazing sometimes so Terrell, I want to try something a little new today uh, between our parenting topic, non-parenting topic, whatever. Um, I want to try something new for the show and I want to see if our guests like it. If they do, cool. If not, fuck them. But some, <laughs> something I do uh, want to try um, as a parent, because I know that we all have them. Tell me a story. Tell me something that happened to you or an anecdote of being a parent, being a husband or spouse. Um, but tell me something that stood out to you something that other people might relate to might find funny might think that they went through the same thing please have at it if you have one okay um so i think it's something most recently that just happened um my son is five and kids are potty trained at this point in time but they're not efficient at wiping their butts and so (laughs) we most recently jameson um, I'm sorry, buddy. When you get older, hopefully this makes you laugh later on in life. I'm so sorry. son. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's starting school, he's going to kindergarten. And one of the primary things is, you know, make sure you know how to wipe your own butt just so you can go to school. So I'm sitting there and I'm showing him he's, he's finished using the bathroom. And I say, son, he's wiped a couple of times. I'm like, how do you know that you're done? And he goes, what do you mean? I just keep wiping until I run out of toilet paper. I was like, no, bud. That's how you clog a toilet. That's not how you know when you're done. He's like, okay. So, you know, as a dad, I say, you just keep wiping something until you see nothing left on the toilet. And um, he's like, he finally got them. Like, so what do you see? He's like, I see nothing. But before he does that, he goes, but I got to look at it. I was like, it's your butt. It's your poop, bud. You need to make sure it's clean. He's like, do I have to? I was like, dude. This is how we become adults. This is how we become big people. You got to wipe your own butt. This is how this is where it goes down. It's like, all right, fine. So he's sitting there wiping and wiping and wiping. And he finally gets it good. He's like, that's clean, right, dad? I'm like, that looks perfectly clean to me. So he then runs out. My parents just happen to be over. And with just like the proudest, joyful moment, he goes to my parents. He goes, hey, guys, I wiped my own butt. And just goes on to get like high five. Like he just won an award. And I was just like, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, guys. Thank you very much. Yes, he just wiped his own butt. Thank you. Thank you. He was so proud. (laughs) When he comes out high-fiving everybody saying, I wiped my own buddy. I kind of hope like like your mom or your dad would say, that's great, buddy. I'm so proud of you. Did you wash your hands? (laughs) He did. He did. But the, he they didn't even think about that. He, he did watch. He was so happy. So happy. Such a proud moment as a dad. Oh, oh my goodness. Geneva, 
is my my princess, my queen, and I love her so much. I know I have a lot of story about Jameson just because Jameson is very rambunctious and he's he's doing so many things. But Geneva is like my exact clone. And it's so great to deal with her because she's so mischievous and she's so subtle. And she does these things like you wouldn't think anyone to do, but because she's my clone, I know exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> it's the most amazing thing. And it's the most amazing gift. I pray that every parent has the opportunity to have a kid that is exactly like them because it allows for you to, you see where their mind is going and you're just like, yes, yes, you are my child. I can see you are the 2.0 version of me. I see where you're going with this. I see how you're setting your brother up to get in trouble, but I'm going to stop you before you get too far. And it's, it's just great. I think that's like the one thing as a parent, our goal is to teach our kids to be the, the better, the 2.0 version of ourselves. Exactly. You know? I, I think that's very apropos because we know, I don't know how I got here. I know that my parents were phenomenal in bringing me up. And I'm sure a lot of people like they're the, the product of their, their parents. And yes. what we see in ourselves, the, the worst parts we see in ourselves, we want to make that better for our kids. And yeah. especially in the beginning, you don't know how to make that happen. You're just trying to survive and, and maybe give them good experiences, try and teach them the right way. Like don't hit people, things like that. But you don't know exactly how to steer them in the right direction of where did I falter as a child and how to like steer them in the right direction. But, yeah. but I, I absolutely agree. Like, and I find myself being my father in a lot of ways of mm. when, especially when it comes to, like anger and things like that. And I, and I back off and I said, no, don't do that do it how you would want to be taught as a child. Like remember how you didn't like being yelled at and fix it, do something different to get the same outcome. So, yeah. so I love that, like that you want to make yourself, a, a, you want to make a clone of yourself, but to do it better. Yes. The 2.0 version. Like, as you said, that's, that's perfect. I love that. My son thinks he knows everything, but um... don't we all? Don't we all? Exactly. Right. You know everything, son. He's like, look, dad, I want to go to school so that I can tell you what I've learned. I'm like, oh, well, teach me, son. That is his goal. That is his only reason he wants to go to school right now. He's like five days into school. And the only reason he wants to go to school is so that he can teach me to do the things that he's learning in school right now. Wait, is it teach you or tell you the things? That tell me. He wants to tell me the things that he knows how to do, but he wants to teach it to me. I think that's kind of adorable though. Like he's, he wants to go and learn, which is fantastic. But then he wants to take that knowledge and pass it on to somebody else. That's a, that might be a teacher in the making, man. That's a. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very noble. I, I don't know where he gets that from, but I know it's not from me. <laughs> that is no. certainly your wife. <laughs> that is certainly either my father-in-law or my wife, my daughter. I, I know that that's my little demon right there. That's, that's my child. Oh, she's, she's such a great girl. She, she truly has like my heart of caring and loving for people. And, um, but I, I feel like I know her so well. It's, it's so great. Like Jameson to me is different. It's a whole new thing to learn. Geneva is like a part of me that I know so well that every time I'm around her, it's just so comforting, but she is, she's just like me. And, and I just love that little girl so much. I know eventually she's going to break my heart. <laughs> it's it's scary. I'm kind of interested to see where my kids eventually grow up to be because Andrew's obviously too small. He all he does is smile and crawl. I I got to tell you, I don't I haven't met all the babies in the world, but if uh -huh. I if I had to guess, he is probably the happiest baby I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And I'm so oh, glad he's oh. my son. And I'm pretty sure he's going to take after me. Um, yes. Al Allie is very likely, even though she's very much so a daddy's girl, she's mm -hmm. going to, she is going to be just like Stephanie. You but never know. I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't, but from everything that I've seen, I think that she is going to take after Stephanie, but be very close to me. 
And I think Andrew's going to be the exact opposite. He's going to be very like me, but go, go after mommy. Oh yeah. It's, it's weird. That boy, that it's such a weird scenario. Father daughter relationships and mother son relationship. Jameson was so close to Jessica up until maybe just like a last year. Now, now it's all about, Hey dad, let's this, this, that, this, but before that, it was all about him being close to Jessica. Wow. And it was, it hurt a little bit. It hurt a little of bit. Co- of course. You know, hurt a lot. There's no remorse. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hurt a lot. But I'll never forget one of my, one of the docs was telling me, he's like, it gets better, Terrell. I promise it gets better. He said, before you know it, around like the four-ish age, he gets interested in dad. And I was so surprised when it finally happened. So that's why, like, right now, it's kind of like this new era, this Jameson era, because it's so new to me. Uh, Geneva has been obsessed with dad. I, like, for the first nine months of her life, she slept in my arms. I didn't work. It was just me and her. That was my girl. Oh. And I remember taking her to my in-laws' house, and it was just, you know, daddy-daughter time. So it was always great. But she will always be my girl and I love it. She comes and cuddles and snuggles That's daddy's girl. But this era right now is it's very new for me to have that son who wants to hang out with dad. And when I come home, first thing the door opens, he's like, Dada! and he tells me about his day. <laughs> and he tells me about all the people he told on in class <laughs> because they were being rude which makes me happy. But then I know my son's a snitch. snitch yeah. And so, so you know, <laughs> snitches get stitches, but it's just like, it's just great to see this evolution of, he wants to tell me about everything and he wants to teach me everything. He wants to show me everything. And then he starts trying to tell me about venom and things like that, that I'm like, okay, son, you know, I'm the one who told you that story, right? <laughs> but it's okay. I'll let you, I'll let you get it out. It's all right. But it, it's great. Do you ever consider the fact that you're going to have to walk Geneva down the aisle one day? It was my dream in life. Um, This is before Geneva was even born. My favorite movie of all time. My wife will tell you this. It was The Father of the Bride with Steve Martin. Oh, my goodness. You just won so many points with Stephanie. It was my favorite movie and before I even got pregnant with my, my daughter, Geneva, when Jessica got pregnant, I've always wanted a daughter. I've always wanted to be the father of the bride. I've always wanted to have that girl. Uh, the character's name was Nina, which was Steve Martin's daughters. And to this day, I, I love the movie. And so for me, I've always looked forward to that. I've always wanted it since before she was even born. And the moment that she was born, I remember sitting there just crying mm-hmm. um, because I had my girl that I've always wanted. I was so excited to see how she's going to grow up and see my little girl. And I just sit there and look at her now and now. And I just love her so much more and more. And I look forward to the day that that actually happens. But I promise whomever that lucky man is, if he ever hurts her, I swear to God, <laughs> it will be the day that I go to jail <laughs> because I've loved this girl for so much. I've never loved someone so pure. It's weird. Like that father daughter relationship. It's such a, it's such a pure love that I can't, I can't, which makes it hard for me to think that there are fathers out there who hurt their daughters. And do things. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, I, I love my son, but there is a very, very big difference when it comes to my love for my son and my love for my daughter. They're equal, but they're just different. Like, yeah. There's, there's a little bit more of a protective when it comes to my daughter mm-hmm. that the, the instant she was born, I said, I would burn cities to the ground for you and, yes. not, and not think twice of it. Oh, yeah there there's just something different between uh, a father and and son and a father and daughter and you're you're absolutely right as as soon as somebody breaks her heart they're getting broken legs exactly like i'm willing to go to jail and like and i never want to ever go to jail no i think it's a horrible place scary place but for her 
I would go to jail a hundred times over. Easy. Um, yeah. So whomever the poor bastard is who falls in love with my daughter, I would treat you like a king. But the second you hurt her, I will be your worst nightmare. I promise you. <laughs> I promise and, you. <laughs> and not just not just you, my friend. You have a whole arsenal behind you too to make Thank his you. life a living hell. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I promise. Uh, I hope that he listens to this before <laughs> he proposes. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's only seven world. She's only seven. She's got a couple years. You have at least 28 years before that. <laughs> exactly. At least 20 something years. I'm okay with her getting married in, in her late twenties, early thirties. I'm okay with that. We need to have a long established relationship, but I, I, I do want my kids to be close. I want my kids to be close to us. Um, I will say, I will say this. My, my sister, who is the only girl in our family, our immediate family, rather, she is my dad's absolute world. They, and, and I, I, I get it. I understand it. She is the golden child. Easy. Um, her and my dad are, and have been uh, very close for a long time. And I, now I get it. Having my own daughter, I absolutely get it. I, yeah. I was kind of bitter for, a, for a little bit, but now, <laughs> but now I'm like, all right, I, I get it. Like, I yeah. was like the third son. So I'm like, ah, you're good. But this is my, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I get it. And I, I don't think you have anything to worry about because I know that Geneva will, will probably hold the same feeling for you for the rest of her life. So I think you're in good shape. Oh, I hope so. Cause the day that she turns a teenager and starts getting like sassy. Oh, I don't know what the happen was on what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Like it's, I, I'm hoping that it's just going to be her and her mother having the issues and that she will always confide in me. And because I've laid down a solid base of discipline, I don't have to discipline her at that point in time. I'll just do all the good stuff and say, yeah, yeah, baby, you want to go out with your girlfriend? Go ahead and go out. Just call me at 1030, please. Yeah. And I'll be here for you. You need me to pick you up? I'll pick you up. I'll do anything you need. I would love to have an entire show about like where the boundaries start and finish like all right you're 16 you need to like i don't have a 16 year old and i've talked to people recently who have girls that are 15 16 years old and i have to tell you man it is a whole new bald game and i am so scared about what's going to happen oh yeah but there's just some things that just make me so nervous especially in the world that we live in nowadays it's it's yeah it's, it's scary. Well, I always have to think back to, um, I think about Jessica, uh, my wife, who is my love, my everything, who is the reason I'm able to be a good father. Um, I think about stories about when she was telling me when she was, you know, a teenager and then going to college, how her parents, I hope they're not listening, used to be so strict on her and would permit her from doing things. So hopefully no one's listening that's in her family immediately uh she should sneak <laughs> out and i don't want my daughter to have to do that i want us to have an open relationship and i've always um told her as i look here if you're honest with me i will never punish you if you're honest with me you tell me the truth i'm never gonna get you're never gonna get in trouble if you want to do something and it's wholeheartedly you being honest with me i will find a way to make it work but just be honest with me yeah. If you're going to go out and party, okay, be responsible, please. Um, if you need someone to pick you up, there's now, thank God for Uber. Um, and even then I will come get you. I don't care what time of day it is, but um, just be open with me and we can have that relationship that sometimes I'm going to tell you no, just because I need to tell you no to make some boundaries. But majority of times, as long as you're safe and careful and you show me that you can be safe and careful, I'm always say yes to you. So that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to uh, our show tonight. Thank you very much for our guest, my Lord, Terrell Smith. Thank you so much for being my guest tonight. Honestly, I've been looking very much so to having you on the show. You have been an inspiration to me for several years. Um, Terrell, there is one thing that I would like to do for all my guests. I'm going to give you the opportunity to say any last words. So Terrell, have at it. 
Uh, I'd like to say thank you very much for having me on. Freddie, I love you. You're awesome. You and Stephanie has just been amazing. Um, and I have to give a huge thank you to my wife because without her, I wouldn't be half the dad or husband that I could be without her. She's just an amazing person. Jessica, you are my love, my life, my rock, my strength, and I'm thankful for having you. There is no good man without a good wife or, yes. part, or partner if we're going to be progressive. <laughs> uh, but for you and me, sir, um, tonight's episode is for our wives, Jessica and Stephanie. Thank you, ladies. Yes. Cheers to them. Cheers to them. Good night, everybody.